Hello and welcome to another episode of the Back Check the Hockey History Podcast, where we revisit NHL players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. My name is Riley and I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how about you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have the class of 1974 players, uh, a goalie, two forwards, and a defenseman who became a forward. Uh, so not quite uh, every position. Um, and we're going to start off with Roy Waters. Uh, who was a goalie in the 1920s and 30s and who played, uh, I'd say, somewhat unceremoniously for some teams that didn't exist super long time. So he played uh, for the, uh, I believe it was the Pirates. Yeah, he played for the Pirates. Uh, he very he played one game for the Canadians and then he played most of his career for the Americans. So one reason why this guy who retired in 1937 might have, um, or at least stopped being in the NHL in 1937, rather, uh, who might have taken forever to get inducted is because he played for franchises that nobody cared about. And so he had no backers uh, for his case. Um, He was fortunately, or sorry, unfortunately, like a lot of the guys we talked about, he was also dead when he was inducted. Um, He died when he was only 57. Jeez, that's, uh, um, that's sorry, did I say 1970? I mean, the class of 1969. My apologies. Um, regardless. Yeah, yeah, he was quite young. Um, though not as young as Terry Sasha. Yeah. Um, so he played from 1925 until 1937, and 11 of those seasons were probably as a starter. Uh, when he retired, he was seventh all time in wins first or last depending on how you view it all time in retire uh, in in losses and he was also first all time in ties um he was also fourth all time in shutouts at his retirement behind only george hainsworth al connell and lauren Chabot, uh, or Chabot, probably um and fifth all time in point shares uh, goalie point shares behind uh hainsworth connell and tiny thompson he was also the uh, he had played the second most um, hockey of any goalie at his retirement, of uh, thirty thousand regular season minutes behind only uh, John Ross Roach, and also second in games again behind Roach with four hundred eighty four. Uh, so he was a workhorse, and um, he he did sort of he got rewarded for it in terms of um, end of season voting. But because of the teams he played on, he uh, he didn't get rewarded for it in any time, kind of way that we would, you know, uh, like team 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 success. So uh, he obviously played before save percentage. So the only average we have um, is GAA, and it was 228. It is 228, which is six all time. And his retirement, the retirement, notably only eight goalies qualify for the leaderboard at that point in history so just keep that in mind that means he was like the third worst but also it's only because nobody played uh long enough back then um of the 11 goalies playing at least 164 games or two modern seasons uh between uh 1925 and 1937 he's shockingly seventh in wins uh last in losses or first First in ties, last in goals against or first um, by over 200 because of the teams he played for. Ninth or third last in GAA, tied fourth in shutouts, but first in minutes, fourth in goalie point shares, and first in games. So very clearly, 
not one of by that those metrics, not one of the best goalies of his era, except for the amount of time he played and the, and the number of ties he had. And one of the, so one of the things the challenges here is uh, like without knowing more detailed, uh, like more advanced stats, um, what do we do with this guy? Because it isn't really his fault that he played for two franchises that went defunct. Um, his season average would be 14, 19, and 7, so slightly below 500, but with six shutouts and 6.3 point shares. And if you make that out to 82 games, it's 29, 39, 14, but 11 shutouts and uh, 12.8 point shares. It's important to remember that goalies had a ton of shutouts back uh, in the 20s. It was very common. In fact, there's like, there are years in the mid twenties where guys like had like 20 shutouts in a season, which seems impossible now, but the fact that he had, you know, he's averaging 11 shutouts a full season. shouldn't be shocking given when he played uh, playoffs. He was 14th all time in wins uh, when he retired with three <laughs> uh, and tied eighth in losses with six. And that is of course, because until 1927, the Stanley Cup uh, finals were not counted in uh, NHL playoff totals. So the NHL playoffs consisted of a couple games a season to figure out who was going to play in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he was 12th all-time in minutes uh, and 9th all-time in shutouts with three. Um, and he was actually 13th all-time uh, in GAA, but there would only have been um, 14 players to qualify if... Uh, you know, if we had actually lowered the qualifiers enough so he could qualify. Also, he has a tie in the playoffs, and I think so does Turk Broda. So there's got to be a story out there somewhere of like the weird playoff ties that happened. My guess is that the series were being de- decided by goal differential rather than wins and losses. But like I, I, uh, I, par- I have a note to like look into this tie, and then I didn't look into it, so I have no idea why there was a tie <laughs> in his playoff record. It is weird. Um, it was in 1926, so who the hell knows? It was before the NHL took over the Stanley Cup, so who knows? Maybe uh, maybe the sun went down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of the 13 goalies, he plays at least 10 playoff games between 1925 and 1937. He's 12th or second last in wins, 7th in losses, ninth in ties, 5th in goals against, 2nd uh, last in GAA, or 12th. Um, Ninth in playoff shutouts, uh, third last in minutes, and third last in games. So really not great playoff numbers. Uh, adjustment for era, I mean, if you can even count it, the hockey reference adjusted GA is 312, which seems very high. But of course, he played way before save percentage, so there's no other adjustments that can be made. Um, so he was traded twice, once at 28, um, uh, to the Americans from the the, the Pirates, almost at the Penguins, uh, for a guy named Joe Miller. And then he was loaned for one game to the Canadians um, at 29. But otherwise, basically most of a friend, um, you know, most of his career with these two franchises. I should see how long after the trade the Pirates lasted. I don't actually know when the Pirates folded. Um, the Pirates folded uh, in 31. And he was traded in 28. So he, there was a few more seasons after he was traded. So 
Uh, so far, you're probably wondering why are we talking about this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, he won the heart in 1929, and um, that he had a record of 16, 12, and 10. 10 ties, crazy, but a GAA of 115, which somehow did not lead the league. Yeah. Uh, it it actually was third. <laughs> so I got to click on that and see who the hell, what was the league leading GAA in 19... That's, uh, that's one of the wilder statistics I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, George Hainsworth led the league with a 0.92 GA. Um, so uh, when we did our um, when we did our heart trophy thing, we gave it to Morenz. Um, I think usually I'm on board with like rarely giving it to goalies, but I think probably part of this came from also that um, I don't think the Americans were a particularly good team that year. I'm just trying to find, go to their Oh, no, they finished second in their division. Okay. Um, but, you know, Hainsworth had a way higher GAA and was on a better team, so it's sort of a, a significantly better team. My guess is that he. this is right after the trade, right? Yeah. So I bet if we look at the previous season, I bet, uh, like, they were one of the best defensive teams in 1929, the Americans. And in 28, they were the worst, second worst. So there's a clear narrative. He came in and they no longer sucked. I'm never, I'm not a big fan of those awards, the narrative awards. Um, But, you know, I do think we have to acknowledge his heart voting, which is he won once, he came in second once, and he came in fourth once, and he came in fifth once, which is a lot for a goalie. Yeah, that's a ton. It's pretty clear that people at the time thought he was one of the better goalies in the league, whatever else the statistics may say. Um, in can 28... You, can, you please, can you please say it like the time? and He was the bee's knees. <laughs> he was the bee's knees. Um, when he finished in second, he finished in second to Howie Morenz. No surprise that it was Howie Morenz. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They... The voters really liked him. So his main, I think his main case, uh, well, there's a couple other things, is these, this heart voting, which is a lot for a goalie, even back then. Um, he also won the Vesna in 1931. It's notable that it was the Jennings. Um, but he was, you know, probably the best goalie in the league in 1931 without having save percentage. He led the league in losses because he was on the Americans, but he led the league in GAA in minutes in uh, goalie point shares. So probably got it right, even though the Vesna was the Jennings back then. If we retroactively ever do the Vesna, we'll probably give it to him that year. So cool. Um, he also, uh, I mean, he had a really, really like a very few uh, goals allowed. Um, he also finished, he made it onto two second all-star teams, which is um, interesting, never making the first given his heart voting, but the year he won the heart, the all-star team didn't exist yet. Um, I'm just pulling up uh, his two to see who he finished behind. Um, he finished behind Charlie Gardner both times, which is like totally 
find Charlie Gardner was one of the best goalies in the league. Um, when we talk about him at some point in the future, we will talk about him. And he played for a very short period of time because he died. But we will be like, this guy clearly belongs in the Hall of Fame. So finishing, finishing behind Gardner is, uh, um, I think, totally reasonable. Um, he was the best player by point shares in the year he won the Vesna in 31, which works out very well for us. Uh, he was also a top 10 player uh, two other times in 26 and 34. He was the best goalie, as I said, in 31. He was a top five goalie four times in 26, 28, and 29. And he was a top 10 12 times, which is tied the 10th most all time. So that's something. Uh, he was top five and wins only twice, top 10 12 times, keeping in mind he played for the Pirates and the Americans. He led the league in twice, in twice, in ties twice. That's a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> he was top five eight times, which is tied eighth most all time. Of course, no one cares about that anymore. He led the league in goals against three times. So that means um, he got shelled. <laughs> and he's tied third most all time, believe it or not, with a Roach and uh, John Ross Roach and Roger Crozier from later on. He's also top 10 seven times, which is tied the seventh most all time. For for whatever else he did, he gave up a lot of goals relative to the league average, whatever that means. Um, he did lead the league in GA once. He was top five, 10, uh, sorry, top five, five times and top 10, 12 times, which is the 10th most ever. Um, and now things get silly because, of course, we're talking about players who played in the 20s. He had a 1.25 or under save percentage once, and he is one of only four goalies to ever do that, along with George Hainsworth, Alec Connell, and Tiny Thompson. He had a 1.75 GAA or under three times, uh, and one of only five goalies ever. Connell, Clint Benedict, Lauren Chabot, Lauren Chabot, I don't know, and George Hainsworth. He had a two or under GAA. Uh, four times, one of only 10 goalies ever, and one of only eight as of retirement. This is a thing that, you know, it's very hard to do once you get out of the early area of the NHL. 2.25 or under, uh, five times, one of only 23 goalies ever, and a 2.5 or under, eight times, one of only 21 goalies ever, and as retirement, only Hainsworth, him, Shavat, Thompson, and Connell had done it. So at least in terms of GAA, he is one of the best goalies of all time. Of course, he played at a time when it was easy for that to happen. Um, shutouts. He was top five in shutouts six times, top 10, 12 times, which is tied to eighth most all time. He had 10 shutouts twice, one of only 15 goalies ever. He had five shutouts six times, one of only 24 goalies ever, and one of only five goalies at his retirement. Uh, the others are Shabbat, Hainsworth, Thompson, Connell, the same usual sus suspects that are appearing. Um, you know, uh, every every single time we talk about these guys with GAA and shutouts, it's these star goalies from the 20s and 30s. He led the league in minutes twice, and he was top 10 12 times, which is tied the 10th most ever. So even to this day, he is one of the great workhorses in NHL history, of course, relative to the league. He led the league in games play five times, and he's tied 10th most ever for top 10 appearances with 12. Uh, he played too early for any adjusted peak. He has no real NHL playoff success. He um, he made one Final Four in the playoffs, and that was with the 36 Americans. The playoffs were actually slightly longer back then because they had more teams before the original six. However, he won a Memorial Cup in 1920 with the Paddlers, which is a good team name. 
don't remember. The Paddlers is a great name. Yeah, the Toronto Paddlers. You better believe uh, that's a paddling. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, he also was the starter on two USAHA uh, champions in 24 and 25. The Yellow Jackets, where did the Yellow Jackets play? Um, they played in, give me a second, I'm trying to find it. Pittsburgh. So prior to the uh, Pirates becoming a pro team, I guess maybe there was an amateur team there that he was on, and that's probably why he was on the Pirates. Um, and it just goes to show you that, yes, we're talking an amateur hockey league, but he was already 23 in his first season there. So, you know, very clearly pro age. Yeah. And he won at a lower level when he had a good team. So the big question is he won an amateur and anyone in junior and he didn't win in um anything at all in the NHL, but like does he have shitty numbers because and and no playoff success because he played for two of the worst franchises in the history of the NHL. It yeah. could be it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to know. Sometimes you're cursed, right? You're just like, yeah. you just never end up on a great team or you're, even when you're on one of your best teams you've ever played on, there's some other like dynamo that just destroys you. And it's like, well, we're really good, but those guys are unbelievable. And you just, you don't get lucky, right? I, yeah. I, we I got... discussed this with a lot of like guys who you look at their records, like has six cups be like, yeah, but you could sub in a lot of different guys in his spot and those cups would still be won. you know, like. Yeah. Um, so the, the USAJ folded in, tw- in 1925. Um, and uh, yeah, basically the entire roster became the pirates. So no wonder they weren't great. They were an amateur team. <laughs> they got essentially drafted into the NHL. Yeah. Um, and and they were a good amateur team. They were like two-time champions. They were the best amateur. Maybe that's why the league did that, because they were the best amateur team in this particular league. And then they came in and they miraculously made the playoffs in their first season. Um, but, you know, uh, they played pros. I don't know why um, I didn't have any. Oh, because they, they just, the playoffs were barely existing. So they like they lost they played like a one game playoff with the maroons and lost so um that's why i don't have that record for them um yeah so i mean it's not his fault that he was on a great amateur team that got drafted in the nhl and it's not his fault that they traded him to the americans who were at the time certainly a more prestigious franchise than the pirates but like were also struggling to stay alive um you know, they were formerly the Tigers and the Bulldogs and had moved multiple times and would eventually fold, uh, though after he left, after he retired. And the fact that he has all that hard voting, I'm very skeptical of the writers randomly um, voting goalies' hearts. But like four times in the top five makes me think he was up to something. They thought he was valuable, right? Um, I don't know. I have no idea what to do. I think he was unlucky and I have no idea if he's really good or not. I really wish we had saves. Yep. It's really, really hard to tell when they don't have, they don't have the big awards and they don't have the big team. Well, he does have, he has the big awards. He has a heart and a Vesna. How many goalies have a heart and a Vesna? 
That's Very few. Jose Theodore, he's not going in. That's true. Does he have <laughs> Does he have a Vesna in addition to his heart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won the heart and the Vesna that year. Okay, he, but like he was unbelievable that year. Just did it. It if he is kept playing like that. He'd be then he would be a Hall of Famer. But Bill, like we're talking about Jacques Plant, Roy Waters, Jose Theodore, and maybe uh the guy who 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 won his uh, heart for the. The really abysmal heart he won for the Blackhawks when they were the worst team in the league, the goalie, and then he later won a Vezina. Al Rollins. Yeah, uh, I almost I, said Al Secord, and I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> I think I think that's probably it. It's probably like yeah. the four of those guys. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a short list, man, and we don't know, right? So we don't know if he just had that one brilliant year like Theodore, and then the rest of his career was just kind of like, he's pretty good, or if it was this guy's always good, and that year he went bananas, and they finally... Oh, sorry. Uh, there are a few others. Uh, Hashik, of course. Well, I totally yeah. forgot. Yeah, and Kerry oh, Price. You don't even have to say Hashik because he did, didn't he do it twice? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Kerry yeah. Price. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, but it's it's. Uh, I would I would say everybody. I think everybody who's done it except for Theodore is in the Hall of Fame, right? Or maybe not Al Rollins. Al Rollins shouldn't be. Um, is he? Is I don't he know. Enough? I have to double check. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think he is. No, he okay. isn't. So maybe it's just him and Theodore. So then, then we have to consider: is he? Is this another like Theodore Rollins case, or is it? You know, he was really good, and this push, this pushes him in, right? So. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, anyway, it's a very short list of goalies who have done that, regardless <laughs> of. Yeah. So. Anyway, I mean. It's one of those things that, like, given the heart votes, I'm inclined to not kick him out. But I would love to know any more information about, like, the number of, you know, the the number of saves he made. Um, You know, uh, I honestly think his amateur wins have a lot to do with my thinking he's probably deserving because he won three championships in two other leagues before he got weirdly like the way he this guy entered the NHL is so weird <laughs> and he was already he was already like he was 26 or something or 25 in his first season like he was already like past you know I know goalies and defensemen their primes are later than forwards but still you know he played he he um who knows what he would have done had he been in the NHL in those years he was winning amateur tournaments on like it actual good team yeah it's it's really it's really hard to say right there's a lot of players who get get a hall of fame bump by being a good player on a great team and there's a lot of great players who get like a hall of fame sort of pullback for being on just average to maybe good teams you know like like they're never on a good enough team to win team championships so it does like the resume just doesn't look as impressive yeah. Um, even even though they were a great player, like it just it, it kind of pulls them back in a way that I feel like is unfair. I feel like there's some guys who've gotten in just by being around for a championship run and just being part of it. And there's other guys who, if you sort of swap them out and put them in that guy's place, then that team is even more dominant because they were great, but they just happen to be in the wrong place and they're not surrounded by enough talent. So. Yeah. Yeah, because like you, you can be as great as you want, and if you don't have the people around you, 
like look at look at what's happening to McDavid right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, and and we don't know about Ward. Be better than that guy, and he's still yeah. not winning cups because it's a team sport. Yeah. So. Um. So up next we have Brian Hextall, the scion of the uh, scion. Is it the opposite? No, scion's the kid. Sorry. Uh, the uh, I don't know. What's the What's the person who's the opposite of the scion? The person who starts the the dynasty. The 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 um, he is the beginning of the Hexall hockey family. Um, he is the father of Brian Hextall as well, and Dennis Hextall, and of course he is the grandfather of Ron. And I think there's probably another Hextall in there somewhere. Um, maybe not. Um, and Brian Senior um, played in the NHL from 1936 to 1944. And then again, um, from 45 to 48, all for the New York Rangers. He was a right wing. Um, and uh, he was, he was pretty good uh, as we'll see. Um, and in fact, as we'll see, according to some adjustments, he was amazing, but we'll get there. Um, so when he retired, he had 187 goals, which was good enough in 1948 for 19th all-time in goals. And he had 367 points, which was good enough for 23rd all-time in points. He only played 449 games uh, because, of course, it was the 40s, 30s and 40s. Uh, and he only had 36.5 point shares, which is a hilariously low number now. Uh, he doesn't qualify for any per-game leaderboards. Uh, because he didn't score 200 goals, 300 assists, or 500 points. However, if we lower the qualifiers so that he does, he is ninth all-time in goals per game, eighth all-time in assists. Oh, sorry, this is at his retirement. My apologies, this this sounded ridiculous. Um, at his retirement, he was ninth all-time in goals per game, eighth, 18th all-time assists per game, and ninth all-time points per game. So a top 10 all-time player, which is better looking than his totals. And that's, of course, because this is a guy who, A, missed a year because of um, uh, the war um, and actually mostly missed two years and also uh, didn't play. Well, he played mostly full seasons, but there's a couple years that he missed games. Um, of the 21 skaters to play in at least 410 games or five modern seasons between 36 and 48, he is third in goals, second in goals per game. Notably, ninth in assists, ninth in assists per game, eighth in points, fifth in points per game. So a top five player by that metric. Fourth in offensive point shares. Uh, last in defensive point shares, which is funny, uh, but it's because he played for the Rangers. Eleventh in point shares and fourteenth in games played. His 82 game average is 67 points, but 34 goals, and that doesn't sound great. But of course, this is he started his career when they didn't score a lot and only played at the very when the scoring went way up, he was older and had come back from, I don't know what he did in the war, but come back from the war. Um, and his, uh, his three-year peak of 41 to 44 is a 57.50 game average, 24 goals. So clearly a point per game player at his best at a time when, well, the league was sort of expanding there. Well, it hadn't quite gotten watered down. I'm just curious what the, what he do in the war? Um, because honestly, there's, you never know. Um, so he, uh, um, oh, he got like, I think he draft, he got drafted 
or something. But he played with the Rangers, so he tried to go play for the Rangers continually. And when he 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 must have uh, been in Canada at one point and essentially got held in Canada for over a year. Uh, so he didn't actually play in the war, uh, play hockey in the war, uh, which a lot of players did at least in World War One. Yeah. Um, so uh, playoffs wise, uh, nothing to talk about. 17 points in 37 games. It was a really low scoring era. This is one of those guys where he is. Regular season numbers are a lot more impressive than his playoff numbers. He did play for the Rangers. It's important to keep in mind. Now yeah. the Rangers were not as bad in the 40s, 30s and 40s as they would become, but he still played for the Rangers. Um, like no success though. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't qualify for any per game leaderboards. Obviously, he had 17 career playoff points. Of the 100 skaters to play in at least 20 playoff games between 36 and 48, and this is rough, he's 34th in goals, 39th in goals per game, 40th in assists, 39th in assists per game, 39th in points, 41st in points per game, and 50th in games played. So, you know, better than his total games played anyway. Um, yeah, Rangers, not a good franchise regular season star hard to know without film and ice time what kind of role he had to play when he got in the playoffs but he only had one run in the playoffs that lasted more than seven games so um the adjustment for era uh you'll be shocked to learn really likes him it's what happens when you play back then but of course it's not as brutal the 30s and 40s adjustment is much more reasonable than the 20s adjustment it still bumps him up 25 points to 92 points for 82 games and 46 goals, which, you know, anybody who did that now is very, very good as your 82 game average. That's incredible. But we got to take it with a grain of salt. We have to take something else even more with a grain of salt. The versus X adjustment really likes him. Um, And it likes him so much that this is really silly. Uh, And I, I think there's a clear bias. Um, to the very beginning of the original six with the versus X adjustment and uh, X all and the very end of, of the previous era, for whatever reason, uh, the best players in history, if you, if you do it per game, um, come from this era. So he was second. He is to this day, second all time in versus X goals per game, uh, per game behind only Gordy Drillon or Drillon. Um fifth all time in assist per game behind only Joe Primo, Frank Boucher, Bill Cowley, and Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and first all time in points per game. First. Wow. This is, if you if you t- take the versus X numbers and you do them per game, they believe that Brian Axel is the greatest offensive player of all time. That is obviously nonsense. Um, it's just worth noting when you do the adjustments, sometimes, uh, you know, these things are have to be taken with a grain of salt. They still really like him. He was probably quite good. <laughs> Just I'm not sure he was the greatest offensive player of all time. Um, since, you know, some people are like, wait, Ron Hextall had a grandfather. <laughs> uh, he, there's only one trade. It's nothing to talk about. He was traded um, out of the unceremoniously traded out of the NHL to the AHL back when that happened. Um, and then. He was, there's a second trade in the AHL, but I don't think that counts. He was still playing in the AHL, I guess, trying to make a comeback or something. Because um, he played a few more a few more games, anyway. He was top five in heart voting only once, weirdly. 
Um, and that was in uh, 1941 when he led the league in goals. Weirdly, when he led the league in points the next season in 42, he was not top five in art voting. Go figure. I don't know why. Um, we also decided to not, I'm pretty sure we didn't give him, uh, I didn't write it down. I don't think we gave him a, a heart trophy for whatever reason. I guess maybe we liked someone else on one of his, on his team better or something. Um, I'm just looking it up right now to see who we gave the heart to in uh, 1920, uh, sorry, 1941. They gave it to, the voters gave it to Bill Cowley, which might've been reasonable. Uh, yes, Bill Kelly had 17 more points than Brian Axel, so that seems legit. Um, I'm just trying to pull up 42, the year that he had 56 points in 48 games, because that feels like maybe that was his year. Um, bear with me, 42. Oh, we gave it to... Lynn Patrick, it looks like. Um, possibly there were there was a we were not sure between him and Lynn Patrick. So um but yeah, we give we actually gave him the best player award. Uh so I, I have to note that because it's you know. Uh and then All Star, he made a first team all star three times, which is a lot, but of course it was you know, at this point there weren't a lot of teams. Um so uh you know that's uh it's slightly less impressive back then i think um but at least were any of them in the yeah one of two of them no three of them were before the beginning of the original six so there were a few more teams so it's slightly more impressive than an original six one that's something um and uh second team all-star once so four appearances that's pretty good he was a top 10 player by point shares in 42 he was a top five offensive player three times in 40, 41, and 42, so three years in a row. And he was top 10 five total times at 39 and 43. He led the league goals twice. He was top five five times. He was top five in goals three and three times, top 10 five times. He was one of only four players ever at his retirement to score 20 goals seven times, which now seems like very little, but was apparently quite a lot back then. Uh, those other players are all-time greats. Nell Stewart, Howie Morenz, widely regarded at the time to be the best skater ever and side identity. I was top five in assists once top five assists per game. Once he led the league in points once he was top five, three times, top 10, four times. Um, he was one of only uh, 12 players ever at his retirement to have 50 points, three times versus X adjustment. Um, despite saying he's the greatest offensive player of all time by points per game has him 32nd all time, uh, in goals for his best seven seasons, but 189th all time in assists. And that makes sense because they didn't have as many assists back then. I uh, still don't know if they were counting them routinely. And then uh, 99th all time in points for his best seven seasons, best 10. It, he, he drops down, which is not a surprise. He didn't play that long. His peak wasn't that high. Uh, so goals would be 40th. It says 199th and points 117th. So definitely the goals are what looks the best. He, he won a cup in 1940. The Rangers won a cup. I believe that's the final cup the Rangers won for a very long time, if I'm not mistaken. Or did they yep. win yeah, yeah, it's, it's the last one. Four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was on that team. He was not 
the star of that team, at least by total points. I'm pulling it up to see if he got it. Yeah, he got it scored by two teammates. Um, he was probably off the top line, though. Uh, and he's barely outscored. It was a really low-scoring series. He had seven points in 12 games. Phil Watson, the leading scorer, had nine points in 12 games. It was a different time. Um, Dave Kerr, the goalie, had a 156 GAA for the entirety of the playoffs. So, you know, people didn't score. Um, and then otherwise, they uh, they didn't make it out of the... Uh, they didn't make it um, to the finals any other times like i said he he only played like one um he only advanced out of the first round once and that year they won the playoffs the stanley cup so i mean one of the best regular season players of his era and also uh, really bad playoff numbers it's yeah it's, that part of it is sort of hard to judge he did win a cup though and he, he was you know we don't know you got to assume i don't know what kind of defensive hockey was being played but you got to assume the goal would have been trying to shut down um brian hexall and lynn patrick um yeah. on that team because they were the two best players so lynn patrick had an even worse playoff i think that year than than uh yeah lynn patrick had four points in 12 games and he would have been he and Hexall were the stars. So they, I clearly, uh, the uh, the Maple Leafs and the Bruins were trying to shut down their stars. There it seems. How do you feel about his case? I feel like it's pretty decent. Do you think that having children and then grandchildren who became good NHL players counts at all? I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think it counts at all. However, I do think uh, I do think he's he's one of those players that's again going to have a case where I don't see a, a definitive reason to kick him out. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he did. He led the league in goals twice and points once, and that points season is a different season from the goal seasons. So that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a first team All Star three seasons in a row. Um. You know, and those three years. Um, and, uh, funnily enough, cause scoring went up, he actually, his highest total points, uh, actually came in the year he was a second team all-star because that's when people started leaving for the war and he was still playing. And, uh, so scoring went up, but he was like, not he, his highest, he had 59 points, um, in 43, which is his record. And it was only seventh cause scoring just went, whoop when when the talent watered down a bit but yeah yeah i mean i mean he definitely was one of the best regular season forwards of his era which i think is and the fact that he won a cup i think that's good enough i think you can definitely critique the playoff resume it's pretty bad but he i mean i think all the rangers of that period the playoff resume is pretty bad well all the rangers especially after at least they did win a cup right Afterwards, it was just downhill from there for a very, very long time. I don't even know the last time. They, the next time they were in the finals it would be the 70s, probably. So the next time they were in the Stanley Cup finals. 20, sorry, 30-something years. All right. So up next, we have Sid Abel. Um, long time, I think. 
Um, and he played center and left wing, uh, and he played from 1938 until the middle of World War II in 43 when he went joined the Air Force, but like many hockey players, ended up just playing hockey for the Air Force. And then he came back in 46 and played again to 54. So that's 14 seasons, um, nine of which he would judge as quality. Uh, he had 188 goals, uh, 284 assists, which would be tied to eight time retirement, and 472 points, which would be 17th time in his retirement. And he played 612 games for his retirement. Uh, he doesn't uh, qualify for the per game uh, leaderboards, of course, but if the qualifiers were lowered so that he does, he was tied six all time in assists per game among 10 qualifying players and tied 13 all time. Um, so, you know, pretty good. Good. Um, <laughs> He, uh, uh, air-wise, of the, of the 500, sorry, of the 15 players play at least 574 games or seven modern seasons between 38 and 54. He's 10th in goals, 8th in goals per game, 4th in assists, 2nd in assists per game, so way up there on that, 8th in points, 7th in points per game. So he's like a 10 player? 8th um, in offensive point shares, uh, the 6th forward in defensive point shares, and ninth in point shares. So, like, that's not amazing. Uh, certainly not bad, but it's not bad. It, yeah, it's just keeping in mind that it's mostly original six. I mean, original six basic. Well, mostly half original six. Original six would have started in forty-three, I guess. Forty-three, yeah. forty-four, something like that. Um, his eighty-two game average is sixty-three points, which of course sounds terrible, but like you know, it's the era. Uh, they still didn't really break out offensively until the year. Uh, his three-year peak was 48 to 51, oddly, so late in his career, but huh. that's when they were starting to score more, I guess. Uh, a 70-game average of 65 points, so not even a point per game at his peak, which yeah. is something we don't see a lot. You know, even the, most of the guys we talk about from this era who are less than a point per game, at least when we look at their three-year peak, they are a point per game player. Able um, had, I don't, did he have a single year over? Yeah, he had one year over. Two years, sorry, two years over point per game. They're far, far apart. Uh, playoffs wise, um, he looks. Uh, he was tied second all time in goal playoff goals in his retirement. Now, notably, uh, Maurice Richard was already thirty nine ahead of him. Wow! <laughs> but he was still second. He yeah. was also fourth all time in assists, behind only Elmer Lacto, Blake, and Bill Cowley. So that's pretty. That's a pretty good list. And he was fourth all time in points behind uh, Richard, Locke, and uh, Blake. Uh, so again, and only have, notably the only non have on yeah. points list, which says something about him. He was yeah, also second sure. all time in games played behind Butch Bouchard. Um, obviously, he doesn't qualify again for, actually, I'm not saying obviously he doesn't qualify. He actually does qualify for the Peter uh, Boyd's for per game. He was ninth all time in goals per game. At his retirement, though only 12 qualifying players, fourth all time in assists per game, but of the only four qualifying players, and then six all time in points per game, uh, but second last among them, only seven players qualified. But so he looks very good playoff per game, wise compared to his regular season. So one of the players, you know, maybe he turned it up a little bit in the playoffs, air wise. Of the uh, 72 skaters play in at least 41 playoffs, 
four. He's second in goals. Again, 39 behind the leader because it's Richard. Uh, 13th in goal <laughs> game. Third, 16th in assisted game. 14 playoff game. So his totals make him look very good. His per game a little less so, uh, but still more of a playoff performer. Um, as you'll be shocked to hear, the adjustment for era helps him out a lot. Bumps him up to 87 points for 82 games, which is plus 24. Got to take that with a oh, um, Versus X also likes him uh, because players from this era and uh, his game, he's 20th all time in adjusted distance per game according to Versus X, which is quite high. Uh, one trade in the entire career, and that was um, in 1952. Uh, he was mm. traded um, when he was like 34. Blackhawks and finished out his career playing only 42 games for them at the end of his career. Uh, most of his career was Red Wings. And he was just traded straight up uh, just for cash, so nothing interesting there. Um, and the Blackhawks needed cash, so it's weird. They would do this, but this might have been around that time when they were like the pseudo farm team. Yeah. And this was literally just like the Red Wings being like, oh, you're uh, you're old now, so go play for the, yeah. for the Red Wings. So, um, a main reason he is in the Hall of Fame is he won the Hart in 1949. And uh, we, when we did our uh, our Hart series, we gave it to his teammate, Ted So that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, let's pull up the numbers there. So he led the league goals that year. Ted Lindsay tied him um, in points. So I don't specifically remember why we decided to give a Ted Lindsay to Ted Lindsay. Maybe we we're just giving it like due to pedigree. Um, that doesn't sound know. like something we do. There must have been a reason. No, I know there must have been some kind of reason. I don't really know why. Um, they, oh, oh, sorry, Bill. Yes. Ted Lindsay played ten fewer games at the same number of points. Ah, uh, that's totally it then. Yeah, and we're, it was we're, a, we're both uh, we're both very big points per game. Uh, yeah. Sad guys. yeah. So. Lindsay, at a per-game basis, outperformed him. Also, he had more point shares despite playing fewer games. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that seems pretty straightforward there. Um, He finished top five next year, too, in heart coding, which is funny because that was actually, at least relative to the league, a better Mm -hmm. year for him, even though he didn't lead the league in goals. Um, Because he actually led the league in point share, offensive point shares in 1950, the year after. Um, And, uh, yeah, so he was a uh, he made one, uh, sorry, he made a uh, first team all-star twice. Um, now I don't remember what he, what position he made that. Cause he played, I think he'd moved to center by this point. Cause Ted, Ted Lindsay was in the league and they were on the same line. If I um, so in 49 and 50, he made first team and I'm just trying to see if I can see what position he played. Oh no. Yeah. He made it at center for both those years. Cause Ted Lindsay had, had, both Lindsay and Howe had now showed up, so he'd he'd moved over to center. He might have done that before. Um, yeah, so two two first teams, two second teams, so that's pretty good. Um, and then uh, three All Star games because there were very few back then. But he was a top ten player by point shares both years. He made the first team, and then he was, of course, as I said, the best offensive player in the league in '50. And then '49, he was a top five offensive player, and he had three other good years in '52, one '52. So at least relative to the league. He was better when he got back from the which is it might have had something to do with thinning out, uh, just him getting better the you know um, as a player overall or, or Ted Lindsay showing up. I don't know. Yeah. 
or or um, he got or he got stronger. <laughs> yeah, he got stronger. He led the league in goals once, top five twice, uh, top five in goals per game twice. Uh, he was top five in assists six times, which is a fair amount. Top five game four times, top five in points four times, top five in points uh, per game twice. Um, he was one of only 12 players to have 50 points twice at his retirement, and one of only 13 players to have 50 points four times at his retirement. The versus X adjustment likes him much, much more for assists than goals. He his best for his best seven seasons he was um, he's 94th all-time score, 35th all-time in assists, which is very high, and 56th all-time in points. Uh, his best 10 seasons he was uh, 130th all-time in goals, so much worse. 56 all-time in assists, which is still pretty good, but way lower, and 90th all-time in points. Clearly, he, you know, he had a short piece. Yeah. And then um, he won some cups, only two. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, oh, sorry, three. He won three cups. Why did I say that? I forgot to highlight one of them. Um, however, uh, he was only... Um, we think he was the best player on the 41 Red Wings who didn't win. They went to the uh, finals. I'm just going to pull up the why I said he was the best player. Um, so he he outscored his teammates. And the goalie was, I mean, we don't say percentage of the goalie was fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, so on that one, oh no, that was a mistake. Ha! Huh. Made a mistake. Um, Turns out when there are two players on the team named Sid, yeah. Sometimes when you're reading, uh, you read the wrong thing. Um, yeah. He was actually not the best player on that team. So oh, Sid Howe was the best player on that team. Well, so, that's it. He's out of the hall. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to. Uh, I might have to do a little bit of ad libbing here uh, just to see. Uh... Quick, vamp, vamp. um okay so in 1950 they won the stanley cup he he led the playoffs in goals uh with six but he was outscored by two of his teammates uh, a very famous jerry couture and a very famous george weirdly both abel and Lindsay were outscored by these guys this is the year this is the year that gordy howe was only 21 so Gordie howe barely played but could very much be one of those things where, first of all, I think Couture probably was the, the right wing on the Abel Lindsay line, but it could be also one of those things where, like, maybe uh, the other team was trying to, like, you know, force the top line and not score as much. Um, so there's that. And then in 43, they won. Uh, 43. And on that team, he was. Also not the leading scorer. That was Carlos Stone. Um, and then the last cup uh, that they won in 52. Or sorry, not the last cup, but, you know, the... Yeah, it was the last cup he won. Anyway. Um, both Gordie Howe and Ted Lindsay outscored him by a fair amount. Um, so despite what we were saying earlier about his playoff numbers... It looks like it, it was partly because he was on a team that was also scoring a fair amount for the era. Um, so I'm just 
I'm trying to figure out offhand if he was ever the best player on his team in the playoffs, and it's looking like probably not. Maybe in uh, maybe in 51, but in 51 they lost to the Habs. Um, so yeah, it doesn't seem like it. So I mean, basically, I think it's safe to say his case rests on the heart. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's kind of dubious. Yeah, I would. Uh, does it? He definitely has. Uh, he doesn't have as good of a case as I thought because he's got uh, a name I actually recognize from, and I think most people who, you know, at least are aware of hockey history would uh, would recognize that name for sure. Yeah. Um, it's. I was I was expecting a much better case. Um, yeah. You know, it's like. All the, the the stuff when at his retirement speaks like sort of like a oh yeah he was yeah. one of the better players up yeah. to that point but how good was he like it's really hard to tell right like he he wasn't dominant by any stretch of the imagination and you know he he played he played a lot of games for the time six hundred and twelve sounds like nothing but at the time yeah. it was twentieth all time so like his totals make him look pretty good. And yeah, then, and lo- you know, longevity mattered a lot more back yeah. then, I think, than it does now, too. So, And the other thing is he played, like, the second most playoff games ever, so it shouldn't be a surprise yeah. that he had 58 points, which was a lot of points back then. Yeah, and, and he, also he played, what was the second most playoff games, but he also wasn't a hab, so, like, yeah. <laughs> it's even yeah. more impressive when you do that because it's like, well, yeah. your team's always made the playoffs, and you weren't on the hab, so you had something to do with it. <laughs> The one, the one thing that's impressive is he skirts like two arrows, right? Like he's, yeah. he's on a cup-winning team in '43. He goes to the war and he comes back, and then Ted Lindsay show, and Gordy Howe show up, and he wins two more. Now he's, he's one of the best players on the, the '50 team, but the '52 team by that point he's a little too old, and that's after yeah. after that he got, he got traded. Yeah. Um, so I guess they realized he was done, but I don't know. I mean. He doesn't. You take away that heart, the case really doesn't. And I mean, oh, let's look at who who else should have uh, in '49. What was the other the other centers he could have been first team? I wonder. Um, so '49, he gets first team, and uh, it's Doug Bentley who's second team. Uh, and Doug Bentley, how did Doug Bentley do that year? Oh, at least in terms of assists, much better than today. Yeah, uh, yeah. He had like he had like twelve more points, I think. Um, but today uh, had more goals, and then fifty. Oops, uh, let me pull up. Uh, it was Ted Kennedy, who was Kennedy known for his defensive like his two-way play but let's see who outscored it um so 50 oh god yeah uh sid abel easily scored uh outscored ted kennedy that year <laughs> uh, but i have no idea like that year if like you know like how far down ted kennedy always it gets like i mean I, I i've never seen ted kennedy play so I, yeah but he was always like he gets a lot of like attention and then you look at his offensive numbers and you're like this dude, but he this was, apparently, well, he was one of the best, better defensive centers yeah. of his era. Apparently. Yeah. There's no way for us to know. Mm-hmm. 
yeah so i don't know um certainly looks like abel deserved it in uh in uh 50 but 60 49 i'm not so sure so we're talking about you take away the heart and that one first team and you're talking about like one of those one good year guys yeah but with not a lot else to support it i, mm-hmm. I i'm i'm on very much on the fence yeah i would say i am too that i think the fact that he played with a young ted Lindsay and gordy howe probably gets him a little bump um yeah. having played with two like all-time greats and you were sort of quote unquote their he was mentor the, it was their the guy center who showed for at least a while like i showed these guys into the league like just being with guys like that like you're pretty much you're gonna get a huge bump right like people remembering you as being a little bit better than you were because they remember you playing with those guys you know he's got he's got enough cups as a non-hab to uh, be significant i guess um so i don't know yeah yeah, I'm, i'm not like far away from a slam dunk but i'm also like it's not it's not terrible it's a tricky one. Yeah. So, lastly, we have another Red Wing, uh, Red Kelly, um, who has, uh, to put it mildly, a much, much longer resume than <laughs> Sid Abel um, because he played for 20 seasons. Uh, and also, to make things complicated for me when doing the notes, he played two different positions, Perhaps more famously than any other player in the history of the sport at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, this was a lot more common. Uh, we've talked about many guys who played, uh, who switched back and forth. And usually, when I go over the numbers of defensemen, I'm always talking about guys who played two different positions. But no one is more famous, I think, for playing two different positions in the NHL than Ray Kelly. So he played from 1947 to 1967, and in the middle of that, he was traded. Uh, famously uh, traded from the Red Wings to the Leafs at which, uh, in 1960, at which they made him um, switch from defense to center. So, uh, some of these, it, it, it makes it a little difficult to talk about some of these like positions, but I'm going to do my best. So, he was 11th all-time in goals at his retirement um, I don't know if it's among defensemen or not. I guess it isn't among defensemen. Um, 281. It was only 1967, so that seems possible. That's got to be defensive. I don't know. Assists, he was fourth all-time behind uh, Gordy Howe, Andy Bathgate, and Jean Belbeau, so very good company there. And he was seventh all-time in points. I think that's among all players. He was second all-time in games played behind only Gordy Howe. And he was second all-time in um, buying only Gordy Howe. Um, his eighth all-time in offensive despite playing half his career at D. In fact, more than half, but two-thirds of his career at de- defense. He was still somehow eighth all-time in offensive point shares. He was, of course, the first major offensive defenseman in NHL history, at least six times. Uh, and he was third all-time in defensive point shares behind uh, Doug Harvey and Marcel Pronovus. So, he looks very good based on the totals. Yeah. Uh, at his trade from Detroit to Toronto, where he famously switched positions, he was um, first all-time in goals among defensemen, or third if you count Dick Clapper, uh, who also switched positions. And for some reason, as I've said many times before, Hockey Reference classifies Milt Schmidt as 
one of those guys who switched, and I have not been able to verify that. So really, he's first or second. In terms of assists, he's uh, third, third, I guess, uh, among D behind Doug Harvey and Bill Gadsby. Uh, and then, as I said, uh, oh, sorry, and in points, he's, he's first um, among D at his retirement. I didn't see by how much he's ahead. The next guy who's the first all-time offensive point shares or second if you include Dick Clapper, but again, Dick Clapper played part of his career forward. And he's third all-time in defense point shares, as I mentioned. Notably, among defensemen, he is first all-time at his retirement in point shares by 12, which is a lot. I was also first all-time in games, obviously, because he was second all-time behind that. Uh, at his retirement... Um, in per game. He was 22nd all-time in assists per game. And uh, when he moved from D to uh, center, he was third all-time in assists per game among defensemen, or second, rather, rather behind Doug Harvey and Bill Gadsby. And he didn't qualify for goals or points, but if you lower the qualifiers, so he does, he was um, uh, the first pure defenseman all-time in goals per game uh, and points per game, because the only people ahead of him are Reg Noble and Dick Clapper, both of whom played a lot of time at forward uh, for goals per game and in terms of points per game. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, it's only Dick Clapper. So uh, he was basically, at his at his switch to center, he was the greatest offensive defenseman probably the league had ever seen. Which you're seeing, at least by the numbers. I guess you could like, <laughs> go back and say some of the guys in the early 20s who didn't play forever, maybe. But... Of the 14 players to play in at least 570, sorry, of the 14 defensemen to play in at least 574 games or seven modern seasons between 1947 and 1960, he is first in goals by 73 Ooh. at a time when defensemen just did not score goals. That is he a lot. was first in goals per game. He was second in assists, third in assists per game, first in points by 75, first in points per game, first in offensive share, uh, point shares by over 17, which is a lot. That's many seasons. Second in defensive point shares, first in point shares by nearly 19. Again, that's multiple seasons. First in games. So, by most accounts, the best offensive defenseman of his era. Uh, and by defense point shares, anyway, the second best defenseman of his era. But you can't, you got to take that with a grain of salt. And then the 49 skaters who play at least 410 games or five modern seasons between 1959 and 1967. It's a lot less impressive. And that's partly because his role changed. Or he wasn't like the star center of the Leafs. That was Dave Keon. But uh, so he's 21st in goals, 26th in goals per game, 13th in assists, 13th assists per game, 15th in points, 16th in points per game, 23rd in plus minus, 17th in offensive point shares, uh, first or second forward in defensive point shares, depending on how you count Doug Moans, and uh, 24th in uh, point shares. So. Very much the, the career as a forward looks a lot less good uh, relative to air. His 82-game average for his career is only 52 points. Keep in mind, he was a defenseman. As a defenseman, his three-year peak was a 70-game average of 50 points, which is a hell of a lot for the early 50s for a defenseman. That is a and lot. A whopping, a whopping 12.2 point shares, which for a 70-game average is quite high. That's like best player in the league type numbers. It is. Uh, 
And as a center, he had a 70-game average of 63 points plus 24. So, so despite not looking that great relative to his peers, he was closest to a point-per-game player in the late stages of, the stages of his career when he switched to center. Keep in mind, he was in his mid-30s when he was doing that. Playoff-wise, uh, he was ninth all-time in goals at his retirement. He was 59, or sorry, fifth all-time in assists behind only Gordie Howe, Jean Belgo, Alex Delvecchio, and Doug Harvey. And he was eighth all-time in points. He was also first all-time in games, and he held that record until 1973, so six years after his retirement. Now, that's because he played on the Habs, or sorry, the Habs, the Red Wings, for a while when they were good, and they had Gordie Howe, and then, of course, he switched to the Leafs when the Leafs, the last time the Leafs were winning cups. <laughs> um, at his trade, uh, when he switched from center to defenseman, uh, among defensemen for playoff records, he was first in all-time uh, playoff goals by a defenseman, second in assists behind only Harvey, and second in points behind only Harvey. Um, per game-wise, he was 21st all-time in uh, playoff assists per game at his retirement, um, and then 23rd all-time in points per game. Now, he didn't qualify for those leaderboards when he was a defenseman. However, he lowered those qualifiers uh, to the point at which he was traded. He was first off in the game on defensive and assist per game behind only Doug Harvey uh, and Flash Hollett. He's also behind um, Neil Colville, who we're going to talk about uh, a few episodes, and uh, Doug Bones. But, like, those guys played two different. They also switched. And he was also second all-time in playoff points per game. So, again, both his and his playoff uh, numbers. And close to says he's the best offensive defenseman of his era, and the playoffs say he's the second best offensive defenseman of his era. So, very, very good. Of the 17 defensemen to play in at least 41 playoff games between 47 and 59, he's first at goals by playoff. Tied for the game, second and fifth, sixth game, second points, second points game, second game. Of the skaters to play at least four one game, sixty and sixty-seven, his years as a center, thirteenth in goals per game, sixth, six in assists per game, six in points, but ninth in points per game, and fourth in playoff games. So he still played a hell of a lot, which helps his totals. Game uh, uh, is not that much better. It's it's 62 points, but of course most of his career was as a um, as a defenseman. So um, uh, versus X likes him a lot. Uh, 20th all time and versus X. If, if if the qualifier is 12 or 30, which is 15 seasons. So. Famously, trade. the trade was for a guy named, so you're going to have to help me with this uh, pronunciation. I think it's, oh, I don't know what it is. It's R-E-A-U-M-E. Raum. Raum. Okay, I was going to say like room or something, so very bad. Um, <laughs> like, you know, who's that? Yeah. And the answer is, it's a guy who played 344 games in the NHL. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, 
most of those for the Leafs. So this has got to be one of the all-time, maybe not all-time, but one of the worst uh, trades in Red Wings history at the time. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that, of course, Kelsey won't play for them anymore. And they were originally, I believe they were originally going to trade him to the Rangers, and he actually retired when they traded him to the Rangers. And so the trade got canceled, and then they were like, well, we'll play for the Leafs if we trade you there. Like, it's really funny. In, ret- in retrospect, can you imagine the guy being like, no, I don't want to go to New York? Okay, I'll go to Toronto. <laughs> well, I guess if you were... Uh... Yeah, he's, if he's you were from, right, like Canadian, from. and you know, like you know, New York's full of full of crime and all kinds of other things. Well, he's, he's <laughs> he played hockey. He played his junior hockey in Toronto, and yeah. even though he's not from, he's from like he's from uh, rural Ontario, but like he yeah. clearly clearly preferred to live here yeah. rather than uh, New York. Um, anyway, it's just I just get a kick out of it. I think it was the Rangers. He refused. I mean, it was what Chicago, what what, it was, what year would that have been? Uh, 60, 1960. Okay, well, it was like New York didn't have a great rep back then. Yeah. Anyway, so there's one other trade, and the trade that ended his career, the Leafs, after winning their final Stanley Cup, the Leafs traded him to the Los Angeles Kings. And he was, of course, 39. Actually, he might have been about, he was about to turn 40. Um, and uh, he did not, you know, he just didn't report. Was, I was about to say, like, wait, he didn't go to New York, but he's going to go to Los Angeles? Yeah. No, he did not go to Los Angeles. Uh, smart man. He was top five in heart voting three separate times. Um, that is all as a defenseman in uh, 53, um, in, sorry, in 51, 53, and uh, 54, notably 51 and 53 were pre-Norris. Um, and in 54, he actually finished second. So I just want to see who he finished second to. Oh, that's the infamous year. That's the Al Rollins year. He got oh, shipped. Oh, oh. I don't know what year. I don't know who, who we said was going to win that year, but oh my God, he got shipped. I'm going to pull up our, our notes and see um, who we said should have won in 54. Because like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a bad. So for those who don't know about Al Rollins, I feel like I bring it up almost every episode. Al Rollins won the heart with a 12 and 47 and seven record and a 3.2 GAA at a time where Harry Lumley had a 1.86 GAA the same season. Uh, and the, the thinking is, is that Al Rollins was sort of the Blackhawks were so bad. They would have been somehow even worse without Al Rollins. It's <laughs> like the stupidest reasoning. Boy, those think. guys suck. Imagine how much they'd suck without that good guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I'm doing a way too old-timey piece yeah. for that era. So we, <laughs> we, uh, we, we picked Gory Howe that year. Yeah. So we wouldn't have given it to Red Kelly, I guess. Uh, Gory Howe had a hell of a lot of points. Gory Howe had 81 points and 33 goals that season in, in a, um, I believe it was a 70-game season. So, yeah, we give it to Gory Howe, which makes sense. But anyway, Red Kelly finished second once. And then Norris, he's infamously the, the player that the Norris was possibly invented for. He got it and they invented it. So, they, uh, out. Um, so you can sort of say it was invented for him a little bit. Um, or him or Doug Harvey, because then Doug Harvey proceeded to win it, you know, seven straight years or something. And then he finished um, second in Norris voting two other times and third in Norris voting another time. But, of course, keep in mind, had the Norris existed in the early 50s, 
he probably would have won it a few more times. Yeah. Because he literally finished heart putting. He finished third in heart prior years to the North existing. So you got to think the years he finished third, he was getting a heart. Yeah. Um, in the year he finished second in North sorting the next year, I mean, all the other two years, obviously, Doug Harvey won those. He also, weirdly, for a defenseman, won the Lady Bing four times. Whoa, that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to do. It's hard to do that and have a reputation as a good defenseman, right? Because yes, usually you 100%. have to beat up guys. He has six appearances. He's the fifth most ever by a defenseman behind only Ray Bork, Nick Lindstrom, Doug Harvey, and Bobby Orr. That is, of course, a very illustrious group of players. Yeah. Um, it's it's among the you know it's 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 a short list of it's the creme de la creme. Yeah, yeah. He also um has uh two second team appearances and those are all his end of season uh, team appearances were as a uh, defenseman, which is not a surprise. He was just better as a defenseman. Yeah. He was also younger. Um, he was a top five player by point shares six times. A top ten player. Uh, eight times. So all throughout the 50s, basically, the vast majority of the 50s, he was considered one of the best players in the league by point shares. He was the best defensive player in the league in 53, year before the Norris existed. So he was winning the Norris that year. Uh, he was a defensive player eight times. So almost a decade. And that's tied the fourth most ever behind only Ray Bork, Larry Robinson, uh, and uh, so Again, very illustrious company, and he was a top ten defensive player, defensive pitchers ten times so in the entire decade. Ever, I scored twenty goals three times. Um, he scored fifteen goals as a, as a defenseman seven times, which is tied fourteenth ever, fourteenth uh, all time rather, and the only defenseman ever at his switch to center. Um, and also notable that. Uh, the guys who um, uh, who are immediately below him on that list uh, in 1960 when he switched over had all played time at forward and he hadn't yet. So he uh-huh. was the greatest at least by frequency of uh, high goal scoring seasons. He was the greatest goal scoring defenseman of all time up until the point he switched over. Obviously Bobby Hoare soon showed up and ended all that. But mm-hmm. also keep in mind like Harry Cameron and um, you know People like that in the early 20s didn't play forever, so they wouldn't also, you know, they played 20 game seasons and he couldn't score 15 goals. So it's possible that someone else was better, but like at least in terms of the modern NHL, he was best goal scoring defenseman of his like ever at, at that point. He was top five assists twice, a uh, top uh, five in assists per game twice as well. Uh, and uh, he was top 10 in points four times, top five in points three once. Uh, he was one uh, at, at his, uh, he had 50 points four times, and at his switch uh, to center in 1960, he was one of only two defensemen to ever have 50 points twice, and the other player was Bill Gatsby, who talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is peak adjustment. Uh, his best seven seasons, he obviously doesn't qualify for goals because he didn't score enough, but he was 63rd all time. There are 137 points, and that is among both forwards and D, keep in mind. Wow. And then in terms of his best 10 seasons, he's 225th all-time in goals, 
Uh, again, that includes forwards. Uh, and 54th all-time in assists, so like really high up there in assists, and then 123rd all-time in the points. So, before we get to his great teams, it's worth pointing out that Red Kelly has more cups than any other non-Hab. Wow. He's number one. You eliminate the Habs. Jeez. And okay, has, that's, that's really something then. He has eight. Because he was on a bunch of teams that won. Um, he may have been the best player on the 1960 Maple Leafs. And of course, to add to this whole thing about him being like poorly timed in his career, the Consulate didn't exist yet. So, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> in addition to not having enough Norrises, he also probably won a Conn Smythe in 1960, and he didn't get it. He outscored his next teammate by four points in ten games, which is a lot. And uh, Johnny Bauer did not have a good year. So I think safe to say, give him a Conn Smythe in 1960. Yep. Um, he was also best defenseman on two champions, the 1954 and the 1955 back-to-back Red Wings. As well as, uh, um, oh, sorry, I'm I'm an idiot. Someone's going to call me out on that. Don't give them <laughs> on the 1960 Maple Leafs. They lost in the final. Ah. Yeah. Actually, they got swept. So never mind. Let's retract that. He, he was the best player, though. He was the best. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. So, best player on a runner-up, still pretty good. Yeah. And then, and then in addition to that, he also won, you know, eight cups. Um, yeah. So yeah. Best D on back-to-back Red Wings champions in 54 and 55, and that's by points we don't have ice time, and also three uh, three Red Wings teams to make it to the finals, 48, 49, and 56. He was a top two defenseman by points, but probably actually the best defenseman on the 50 Red Wings, who also won. We also talked about them with Sid Abel. Um, he was a top three forward by points on three uh, Maple Leaf champions, the infamous three-peat who won in 62, 63, and 64. So even though Dave Keon gets, um, you know, a lot of the attention there, at least by points, uh, he was top three forward. Now, I believe uh, Keon was also a top three forward by points on those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they were deep at center. You know, that was the whole, yeah. like, punch him up thing, right? It was like, yeah. I want to have good centers. Um, so, yeah. He might have been onto uh, something. <laughs> in 62, he was right. Um, I just realized I have it wrong for uh, in 62, he's actually a top six forward by points. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Falling down on the notes here, really. Um, or I'm reading them in the case of the, uh, the 1960 leaves. Um, Let's see 63. Let's make sure 63 and 64 are right. So in 60... He was... Yeah, okay. 63 was a top three forward. Weirdly, okay. uh, George Armstrong listed as center, but he was the winger, so I don't know why he's listed as the center. I was going to say their top three scores were centers, but Armstrong wasn't the center. And then in 64, he was also a top three forward by points. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he actually had scored Dave Keon by. So, anyway, 
um, you know, he was an important player on those uh, on those uh, these teams. So this is like he won so many cups. So he won he both back to back and three teams too. Wow, on two separate teams at two different positions. Very impressive. If that's that's possibly the most impressive thing. Yeah. You know about him. Um, Just a damn good hockey player, no matter where he was. The fact that he, yeah, he switched positions and then he helped. Uh, had a played a major major role uh, three feet after going back to back almost a decade earlier. It's really kind of stunning mm-hmm. that he did that. I didn't fully digest that when I made the notes, and now I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. So eight cups, eight cups, and in addition to the eight cups, he also had. Um, let me just see one, four. I'm just trying to see four other finals. So he was in 12 finals in a career that lasted 20 years. Wow. Thank you. I mean, there's so, only six teams, but come on. Like, that's that's yeah. an impressive record. And honestly, the, the, the thing I feel reading this out to you is like, he has to be among the most underrated players now. I would say um, so, yeah. Because, like, everybody knows. Like, in, in Toronto... You've heard his name, knows. for sure. Yeah, I don't know how well people know him in Detroit now, but in Toronto, everyone knows him. And there's a legend about him switching to forward. You know, everyone's heard the the, the punch and luck switching you to center story, if you're a Leafs fan. But I don't think... Like, it just... There's a, like... There's a lot of... Uh, I don't know. It's just a very, very impressive resume. Yeah. There's a lot of dark blue slash black ink on his <laughs> hockey reference page, like a lot of it. And a lot of it is games, but still. Um, yeah. You know, uh, eight cups, 12 finals, those, the back to back, and then three peat is incredible. And then, um, you know, uh, eight end of season all star appearances, all at the same position, but still. Um, and then obviously the missing trophies, right? Like yeah. he would have a couple more Norrises, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, we could say safely say probably three Norrises. Uh, yeah. If they so. introduced it earlier. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a. And honestly, if we had ice time, maybe we'd look at one of those uh, years that he won as uh, you know with the Red Wings and say he deserves the Smythe. I don't know. At some point, we're going to yeah. do a Smythe series, and maybe we'll we'll say okay, we think maybe. Yeah, if we if we had ice time, maybe this is one of them. But like, you know, he has a he, despite having a good trophy case. Uh, well, if you include the, it, could be a lot better. <laughs> it could be better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I mean, I think, you know, um, I think very clearly an all, absolute all time great. Uh, really, just like one of the reasons I like doing this because I'm just reminded. Oh yeah, this guy was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so seriously, like, really. if you would, like, it makes sense now that. There's a reason that that name keeps getting bandied about every time you talk, you know, an old timer, old timey guy, mostly Don Cherry for my childhood, uh, would talk about like an old time hockey player. His name would always come up and I'm like, I have like, I don't know anything about this guy. Yeah. But like, he must have been great because they never stop talking about him. Like his name comes up every time. It's like, oh, Eddie Shore, Dick Clapper, Doug Harvey. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I've heard some of those guys and Dick Clapper is always in that sort of that rarefied air of company of like, these were the guys when, you know, hockey was in that era. So it's like, 
if his name, if somebody's name always comes up when you talk about great players of an era, and he sort of like never gets left out, you're like, yeah, he must have been pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, like, there, there's probably nobody else in history who switched teams and had a back-to-back cups and then a three-peat. Yeah. Like, there's probably a have that has back-to-backs at a three-peat. There's probably more than one, frankly. But yeah. Kelly, Kelly switched teams and switched positions, and mm-hmm. and he, yes, he was a my, he was a role player in '67, but he wasn't a role player uh, in the first three cups he won with the Leafs, and he won yeah. four cups with the Red Wings and four cups with the Leafs. Like it's like there's yeah. a little symmetry there. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's just an incredible, he's, incredible. He's, he's one of those guys, right? Like it's yeah. always his name always comes up in those conversations. You know, it's like yeah. you hear all these old names, and occasionally it'll be like somebody who comes up i don't know one in every five times uh like dick clapper and then you get a guy like red kelly who's like he gets mentioned every single time like like a doug harvey like uh you know all those guys of that era who you know jacques plante like just like names that if you're a hockey fan you know that name like yeah it's impossible to not know it so so to wrap up um i i mean i'm roy waters I think what we said was um, given his success for the Pittsburgh team that got essentially drafted into the NHL before he like before he joined the NHL. Yeah. And given the fact that he won a Memorial Cup, it's probable that he was just extremely unlucky in his career and he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He was a great goalie who who got like a really short end of the stick by playing for two franchises that eventually went to punk. Yeah. I feel like as much as the evidence isn't super, super strong, he belongs. I feel like that's enough to say, let's not kick him out. Yeah. I'd say that too. Brian Hextall was very clearly one of the best regular season players of his era. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about, you know, overall. And obviously the, the playoff numbers are not amazing. Um, but like the adjustment for era thinks he's amazing. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Um, he did lead the that, league. That is goal. problematic for a lot of guys. Yeah. He did <laughs> lead the league goal. Uh, he led the league in goals twice. He led the league in points once. He has three first team all stars. I think. I think that's probably yeah. enough to keep him in. Yeah. Uh, he also like adjustment for era looks. Like I said, he looks great. I, again, it's problematic, but he looks great. And it's not the 20s. He played in the 30s and 40s. So at least there's that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think he's the best player of all time, like the versus X per game adjustment says he is. But um, <laughs> he's still, I don't know, I, I think probably. And then also, you know, there's just something about interesting about like a hockey granddad. Yeah. Um, Abel, I'm really... Yeah, I'm, I was not. I was not as impressed as I thought I was going to be. <laughs> I'm. I'm leaning towards no. Yeah, so am I. Like, and I, can't, I yeah, go ahead. I can see why he's in, but I feel like it's a lot more warm and fuzzy. This guy was part of, sort of like one of the all-time great lines, albeit for a very short time. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. Obviously, like we, we've said many, many times with Kevin Lowe being in the Hall of Fame, like the, the bar's pretty low. So um, it's like uh, unintentional pun, but I mean, it's, it's yeah. sitting there too. Um, yeah. It's it's like 
now I can't kick this guy out because of that. But if it was my hall, like, I don't think he would get in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, if he there's a lot of guys with heart, he doesn't really yeah. have much of a case. Yeah, I feel like sometimes they, there are playing, playing with um, an all-time great, or in this case, two all-time greats, and having them speak glowingly about you really helps your case. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of gives you that bump that in, in his case, I did, I do think he needed the bump. Um, yeah. I think if he hadn't played with the two of them, maybe he would have squeaked in, but like, he wouldn't have been like, uh, inducted as quickly as he was, I guess. I mean, yeah. Like the fact is like, he re- wouldn't even retire like 52, 54. Mm-hmm. Oh, so 13 years. It's a fairly long time, but yeah. still, I mean. It's not as long as like some people have had to wait. I mean, we're, we were literally talking about like, well, Warders, for example, yeah. who got adopted, you know, after he was dead, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, there's a lot of posthumous inductions yeah, yeah. that don't I, need to be posthumous because yeah. they're gatekeepers, but I, I digress. Um, yeah. You know what the like, other thing is? The other thing that's interesting is he was a coach for a long time. Uh-huh. For, the, for the Red Wings. And I do wonder... Yeah, you, like, you get you, you get a coach GM bump if you do something else later in your career. Yeah. I feel too. I he he coached. He was he was when he got inducted. He was the active. Sorry, he wasn't the active coach of the Red Wings. He took a year off. So huh. looks like he was inducted the year he retired from coaching. Wow. And then came back. Huh. It sure, it, if you look at that without knowing anything else, it sure feels like he was inducted because he just retired from coaching. Yep. You're like, and oh, Matt, he's not playing anymore. And then it's like, oh, he's back. And that, uh, yeah, that feels very narrative-y and, like, silly. And honestly, like, I, if if someone wants to, like, you know, uh, not that anyone ever tweets at us, but if someone wants to tweet at us, <laughs> one time, one time someone tweeted us, um, or, or post on our Facebook page and say, you know, well, actually, this guy was quite a good defense player or something, open to hearing it. But I just, I don't think he's quite there. And I understand that he's got more cups than Brian Exel. Um, and, you know, he's got more pedigree. But Brian Exel on a two-year franchise did better. So, yeah. Lastly. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Fine. I was just going to say, lastly, we have a no-debtor. Um, arguably one of the better defensemen of his era. And then somehow also a good center. I think yep. <laughs> Greg Kelly is very clearly, he's a unique player, but he's, he's clearly, as much as he's the, mo- the most famous player to switch positions, he's probably also what, perhaps the most successful at doing so, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Dick Clapper, I don't know, is a couple cups, maybe. Doug Moans has won, I think. Um, those other guys are from an earlier time. Um, and it happened way more frequently in the 20s and 30s, uh, the switches. Um, I don't know. He's has a really unique career, and he's very like it's just a it's just a really impressive resume. And I think he's you know he's an all time great, and it makes him harder to rank him among those players because he switched positions. But like the fact that he was able to win so many cups, I mean, I know you said six team league, it makes sense. No, he has not a chance. But like the fact is, two thirds of his career he's in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, basically. No, no, I was. I was just sort of saying, like, it is, like, some people will point to that, but I think unless you're on the Habs, where yeah. you're the dominant team of the six-team league, 
or I guess for some short stretches, the Leafs were uh, equally as dominant for periods of like four or five years at a time. Yeah. But like, it's if you're if you're not part of the Habs and you have eight cups, like that's crazy. That's yeah. a, that's a, a very high success rate. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, absolute no doubter. Um, of all of them, like he's very clearly yeah. oh, yeah. the guy who belongs. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah, he would he would get into the even the my idealistic hall where only the best of the best get in. He, oh yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, there's just no like it's just no. Like you said, he he succeeded. He went and did something different and was just as successful, at least from a team perspective, as he was when he was in his, you know, natural position in which he was the best offensive defenseman they the, the league had ever seen. So yeah. yeah. All right, uh, that's it for this episode. Um, we will be back with the next class, which is uh, one guy, um, which is weird, but like yeah, something they did. <laughs> but he was very good. So, um, and then I also using. Um, behind the scenes of doing something else uh, though I have to get my act together about that but anyway thanks uh, for listening to this episode and we will see you next time